One thing I would say to people as you're thinking about trying to be a good friend or a good family member to someone who's grieving is be willing to talk about it. Say that person's name. Go ahead and voice the fact that you feel really sad that that person is not there with you this year. Sometimes we think, well, I don't wanna mention it because maybe you see that person at a holiday gathering and they seem happy and you think, I don't wanna make them sad. And you think they must not be thinking about it and I don't wanna make them think about it, maybe make them cry. The thing is here, they are always thinking about it. Welcome to the Crossway Podcast, a show where we sit down with authors each week for thoughtful interviews about the Bible, theology, church history, and the Christian life. I'm Matt Tully and today I'm talking with Nancy Guthrie. Nancy teaches the Bible to women at her church, Cornerstone Presbyterian Church in Franklin, Tennessee, and at conferences worldwide. She and her husband, David, are the co-hosts of the Grief Share video series used in more than 10,000 churches nationwide, and also hosts respite retreats for couples who have experienced the death of a child. She's also the host of Help Me Teach the Bible, a podcast from the Gospel Coalition, and the author of numerous books, including What Grieving People Wish You Knew About What Really Helps and What Really Hurts with Crossway. Today, Nancy and I discuss dealing with grief over the holidays. She reflects on her own experiences of great loss and suffering, shares what God has taught her about his healing grace in her own life, and offers advice to family members and friends eager to love and care for those struggling with deep sadness this holiday season. Let's get started. Well, Nancy, thank you so much for joining me on the Crossway Podcast today. So happy to get to talk to you and your listeners. So the Christmas season is here, and it can be a time of such joy and warmth as we gather with family and friends, uh, usually around good food and music and traditions. And, And obviously for the Christian, all of that is only heightened by the awareness of the theological significance of Christmas. You know, we're celebrating when the Son of God entered into human history and uh, in order to bring us back to God. And yet, I think for many, these feelings are also accompanied by feelings of sadness and loss and pain, often because a loved one is no longer present, uh, whether that's due to death or estrangement, maybe, or just simply distance. And um, the holidays can kind of make those feelings all the more acute in these particular seasons, even years later. So have you experienced any of those kinds of feelings around Christmas time, and walk us through what that's been like for you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you think about just even the way we greet each other this time of year, we say, Happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. And if you think about somebody, especially somebody who's going through grief over the loss of a loved one, that can just feel like such a burden, uh, maybe even an impossibility. Like, you know, why is everybody telling me to be happy when I am not happy, when I have perhaps a great deal of sadness? And, you know, as I try to think about, you know, why are the holidays so hard when you're grieving? I I think there's a number of things. I think, for one thing, uh, holidays are so saturated with tradition and So at the holidays, whether it's Thanksgiving, Christmas, whatever, you know, those are filled with family kind of memories. And when somebody in your family has died, when you are putting up the Christmas tree without them, and there's all of those ornaments that bring memories, or you're setting the table for Thanksgiving dinner, and there is a place where that person you loved 
always set and that place is empty. Um, just facing all of those things without that person can just create so much deep sadness at this time of year. Yeah, and you and your husband and your, your family have have had your own share of deep sadness and grief and loss. I wonder if you could share, for those who maybe aren't as familiar with your story, could you briefly share uh, what that's been like for you and your family? Yeah, my husband, David, and I have a son, Matt, who is now 29. Uh, We also had a daughter named Hope, and we had a son named Gabriel, and both Hope and Gabriel were born with a rare metabolic disorder and lived just a short time. And, you know, when I look back, Matt, at that, especially that first Thanksgiving, Hope Hope was born the week of Thanksgiving, and she lived for six months. And when I think about entering that holiday season, that first one after she died, oh my goodness, I just wanted, honestly, to go stick my head under the covers and like, let me know when the new year begins, because... Uh, this just feels unbearable. You know, that that Thanksgiving week, we were facing what would have been her first birthday. And our way of dealing was with it was, you know, we just made very different plans than we'd ever done before. At that point, I just was not anxious to be around my family. So we planned this little trip, and the three of us, and there were some really fun things about it. But I just remember sitting there on Thanksgiving Day and realizing you cannot escape the sadness. It, it goes with us wherever we go. You know, you can't travel it away and you can't eat it away and you can't uh, drink it away or spend it away. All, the, all these things we try to do to soothe our sorrow, you know, it's just, it's just there and you have to deal with it. Um, but for us, yeah, that first Thanksgiving was hard you know, Christmas, I, you know, my, my picture of myself that first Christmas is just standing at the sink, preparing that meal with tears running down my face. It was just, it was just so difficult to remember how she had been there the previous Christmas and that now she was gone. And, and then we faced that again, then a second time with our son, Gabriel. And so, you know, and these days, you know, it's interesting We have all, for example, like after Hope died, I made 500 Christmas ornaments with her picture on it. Wow. We had taken this picture of her when she was with us that first Christmas. And it might sound terrible, but it actually was very sweet. She was very small and underweight. And we put her down inside this stocking that said Hope on it. And we took her picture and I made 500 Christmas ornaments with that picture on it after she died and gave it to people. And that was actually something that brought me a lot of comfort that first Christmas to uh, give those to friends. And still, so um, Hope died 20 years ago this year. And still people send me, I'll, I'll get a little, all of a sudden a ding of a text and it'll be a friend. And she sent me a picture of the Hope ornament that she's put on her tree, which is so sweet to me. Um, and honestly, it, it brings up something that we might want to share with your listeners in terms of a way to really help grieving people who are around you. And that is sometimes we think, well, I don't want to mention it because maybe you see that person at a holiday gathering and they seem happy and you think, I don't want to make them sad. And you think maybe they must not be thinking about it and I don't want to make them think about it, maybe make them cry. The thing is here, 
they are always thinking about it. And it's, it's like a computer program that's constantly running in the back of their mind. And so while we're afraid, okay, I'll make them cry. I'll make them sad. If I bring it up, if I say that person's name, when the truth is they're just wishing someone would be willing to talk about the thing and the person that they most want to talk about. And yet most people avoid it. So, you know, I guess one thing I would say to people as you're thinking about trying to be a good friend or a good family member to someone who's grieving is uh, be willing to talk about it. Say that person's name. Go ahead and talk, voice the fact that you feel really sad that that person is not there with you this year. Yeah, I wonder if that's, that's some of the fear in those moments for the, the person trying to be a good friend to someone who is grieving is maybe not knowing what they want. Like, is there ever a, are there ever situations when you might not want someone to bring that up where it might be inappropriate to bring something like that up? Well, it is a tricky thing in regarding grief because people are different. But I can tell you this, you know, my husband David and I, we now host weekend retreats for couples who've lost children. Uh, we'll have our 37th retreat in a couple of weeks. And when these grieving parents get together, and especially like this one coming up, it'll be right around the holidays here. And I promise you one thing they're going to want to talk about is their fear about getting with their extended family over the holidays and their fear that nobody's going to mention the person who died, um, that it's just going to be too awkward. So you know, are there times people don't want to talk about it? Yes, certainly there are those times and those people. But I guess I would just say overwhelmingly from my interactions with grieving people, most of them just what they say is they want to keep hearing that person's name. And, and it is specific about the name, Matt. It was, this was interesting. When I wrote my book, What Grieving People Wish You Knew, I, I didn't want to rely solely on my own experience. So I I did an online survey of grieving people and I asked them, you know, what's something people wrote to you or said to you uh, that was significant, meaningful? What's what's something someone did for you? And then my third question was, what do you wish people understood about grief that they don't seem to understand? And there were two things that came really loud and clear through the answers when people told me what they something they really wanted. And over and over, they said, I want to keep hearing that person's name. I mean, if you think about it, you know, when someone dies, oftentimes we start referring to them just with a personal pro pronoun, you know, or a title, you know, like your mom, your sister, uh, your friend, rather than Barbara. What do you think's behind that? What's, what's, what's so important about the name? It says this was a person. This was a real person. And I remember that person. And when, and when someone says their name, if you think about it, uh, you know, when that person's alive, maybe you're saying their name 20 times a day. But then after they die, you, you just don't even hear that person's name. Um, but to use their actual name, somehow just it gives, it esteems your loss and it, it somehow demonstrates, I remember. And this person you love, I loved him too, and I miss him too. And it just, it speaks to that, the reality of that person. Because when someone you love dies, your greatest fear is that everyone's going to forget. 
And I, I think this is especially true with those who lose young children, that the world will just go on and everyone will just forget that that person was even there. And so, if, you know, if you talk about your dad, your mom, your child, whatever, in, in a general sense, it's more about that person's relationship with that person. But when you use that person's name, there's just something very vivid and affectionate about uh, just saying their name. And, and people who are grieving find that very comforting. That's so helpful. Uh, it just It's so easy to, to not just out of fear, but out of, yeah, not wanting to, like you said, we think that it's reminding them of something that uh, it's easier for us to sort of want to push aside and not think about. But really, that's the opposite of what the grieving person probably needs in those moments. Now, here's what I say to the grieving person in that regard, is that perhaps the best thing you can do for your extended family is actually tell them ahead of time that you want to have a time when you're together to talk about that person. So I often tell people, you know, set up your family and friends for success in this regard. Uh, So often grieving people, myself included, we expect that everybody's going to read our mind and know what's going to be helpful or meaningful to us. And I'll have to admit that sometimes with my family, I don't, it's hard to explain. It just shows you what a sinner I am actually, Matt, but it's like, I'm expecting they won't bring it up. And then I get this twisted satisfaction about being right that they didn't. And I'm, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and I find myself unhappy with them and which is really crazy. I mean, far better uh, for the person who's grieving to, you know, send a little note to friends or family beforehand and just say, you know, when we get together, I know it's going to be awkward, but I want you to know that I want to talk about Michael. And maybe there would even be a time around the Thanksgiving dinner, or maybe even on Christmas morning or Christmas Eve, that we could spend some time talking about our memories of him and you know, the things we miss about him. And, and what that does is it just, it just sets everybody up for success, right? Because you, you've been straightforward. They know that you want this and they probably want to talk about him too, but they're feeling unsure about it. So, you know, letting people know ahead of a family gathering or some other kind of holiday event that people might be wondering, it can be really helpful to just let them know, you know what, I want to talk about it. And that's going to really help me. Yeah, I'm struck that whether it's with family, as you've been talking about, or even church family, uh, being willing to to say their name and to talk about these things, bring these things up, uh, it does require a willingness to to be involved and be in that pain to some extent and live in that with the, the person who's really grieving through that. Do you think there's a uniquely Christian responsibility that we have as brothers and sisters in Christ to enter into that with one another? Well, certainly, yes, to, to bear each other's burdens um, is scriptural. To uh, weep with those who weep. Of course, the other side of that is rejoice with those who rejoice. And I often say to grieving people, you know, that they really like the side of it, of, of weep with those who weep, but that oftentimes grieving people give themselves a pass on rejoicing with those who rejoice. They 
they would say, you know, I'm too sad to do that. I, I need you to weep with me, but you can't expect me to rejoice with you. And that's not really the case. But certainly, um, yes, to be brothers and sisters with each other is to come alongside each other in sorrow. And the, it, it's the alongside that I think is very significant to that, Matt. It's, it's not standing over, preaching at, um, poking at. It's alongside what, what grieving people want most. See, see, we get all uptight. We wonder what we're going to say to that person. And we think, okay, I want to say something meaningful, spiritual, memorable, helpful. But a grieving person doesn't expect any of the people around them to come around them and say something that's going to somehow make it all okay or is going to somehow present them with a viewpoint or perspective that's going to fix everything. Actually, what they just want to know is that they're not alone. And so it means a great deal to have people come alongside who aren't presuming that they have something to say that would make it okay, but instead they're far more humble than that. Maybe they even say, you know, I don't know what to say, which often is the best thing to say because it is very humble. It, it communicates, you know, this... The gravity of your loss is so significant that I don't presume to have words that would just take it away, but I care about you and I want you to know I care about you and I, I, I want you to know that I'm, I'm here beside you, willingly entering into your sorrow with you uh, and that I remember that person and there are times I feel sad. You know, a great thing you wonder, you know, how am I going to bring this up with someone? Well, you know, maybe it's something as sweet and simple as saying, you know, every time I drive past that barbecue place, I know your husband loved that place. I remember meeting him there one time and man, we had the best barbecue sandwich. He enjoyed it so much. I just want you to know every time I pass there, I think about him and I miss him. And it, it just makes me wonder, you know, what are the, what are the times of the week or the places or the experiences that make you miss him the most? See, an open-ended question like that, it, it's, it's better than simply the question that comes most natural to us. The question that comes most natural is, how are you? And when you ask someone, how are you? That, you, know, you can feel like you have to give a report. <laughs> right. And, and you know that the person who's asking the question, what they really want to hear is, I'm good. Or I'm better, but maybe that's not the reality, and and it's hard, so hard to know how to quantify because maybe some days are great and some days are feel you feel nothing but despair, and so to try to put into words how are you can be fine, but when you do something like that open ended question, you know when are the times you really miss them? I mean that just that just says to that person, I want to hear about what your grief is like these days. And I want to enter into this with you and understand it the way you're experiencing it. And that's a great gift to give to a grieving person. Well, and I'm struck by a couple of the examples you've shared already include some element of you, the, the, the friend, expressing your own feelings and thoughts about this person as well and having that be a, a door into hearing more perhaps from the, the grieving person. Yeah, I think so. So what would the balance or line then be 
uh, between that uh, and I think sometimes people trying to comfort a friend or or be a good friend to someone who's grieving can tend to maybe draw parallels to their own grief in other ways. You know, like, oh, you lost, you lost a child, I lost a child too, or I lost a father. And sometimes that can maybe be more harmful than it is helpful. Speak to that. What, what guidance would you give on that front? Uh, the goal is always to elevate or esteem that person's loss rather than diminish it. And sometimes the effect of telling a story immediately about your own loss or somebody else who you know who had this happen to, sometimes the effect of that is basically suggesting, you know what, this thing you've experienced, it's really very common. And so it really shouldn't hurt that much. There's lots of people who've gone through that. Yeah. So it can have the effect of diminishing it. So if our goal instead is to esteem it, we might... you know, that match comes up and we think about it, but instead we discipline our words and we just invite them to talk about their loss. Um, I can remember times when people began to tell us stories about other people who had something similar to happen to him, them, than me and David. And, you know, their motives were good. <laughs> Some of them were crazy. Uh, I won't even go into some of the crazy things that, that people said. <laughs> but I just remember feeling sometimes like, you know what? You don't understand how, how heavy the load of sorrow is on me and how much this loss has taken up the whole of my insides and all of my energy and focus. And by you telling me that story, it's feeling a little bit to me like you're wanting me to feel sad for them or to give some energy to thinking about their loss. And the truth is a lot of times, especially the freshly grieving person, just doesn't have space for it. Just doesn't have margin for it. Now, all of this that I'm saying is a little bit different. I, I was speaking about this recently and a man came up to me afterwards and he said he wanted to differ with what I said. He said, but you know, I've talked to some friends who told me they've found it really helpful to know that I, I've been where they are. And there is some truth to that. I think that comes with time and relationship and with them asking you to talk about those things. So what I'm talking about is that immediate short-term conversation where rather than listening or just coming alongside, we fill up the awkward silence with a story about ourselves or someone else that wasn't really invited so there, there is a differentiation there. I mean, because I do think over time, your friendship with someone, the fact that you have been through loss, you know, the Lord is going to use that in your, in your lives and in your relationship. But I would just warn you, don't always be quick to suggest that you get exactly how they feel or that whatever worked for you or whatever experience you had is, is what they're experiencing because once again, it diminishes their grief. It just says yours is, yours is normal like everybody else's. And instead, here's the truth. You don't know how they feel. They're a different person and their loss, there might be some similarities to it, but there's a huge number of differences. And so for you to not presume that you understand everything about their loss actually esteems their loss as unique and significant to them. So as you think about the time that you've spent uh, working with Grief Share, this organization committed to 
walking alongside families in their grief. Uh, is there anything that you yourself learned about grief and about how to minister to others who are grieving since you started working with so many families and couples in that program? Well, I guess I think some of them I've talked about just, you know, being a listener, not rushing in with my own story, not presuming I get it. But I think also looking for an opportunity not to push people to get better fast, not to suggest to them that there's some kind of timeline or that they just need to move on or whatever, but to suggest to them, you know what, go ahead, give yourself over to some sadness for a while, ask God to work in you through his word by his spirit in the midst of that sadness, which means you have to be opening up his word or putting yourself under the preaching of the word so that his word is you're receiving it. And so it can be worked. And so let yourself be sad. Let the tears flow because your tears are a reflection of the worth and value of that person and how much you love that person. So go ahead Give yourself over to it. Tears don't reflect a lack of faith. But at the same time, I would say, ask God to be at work in that, to do a healing work that only he can do. And the healing work that he has promised to do. Expect that with time and as you spend time in his word and as you process this grief through talking, through tears, through beginning to maybe even serve other people out of this broken place in your life, expect that God is going to do a work of healing. Don't expect that you're always going to feel as sad forever as you do right now, but instead expect that God is going to do a work of healing in your life and that the day will come when, yes, you'll still remember, yes, there will still occasionally be tears, but that the grief won't be quite as heavy, that it won't have as much power in your life as it might have right now. Expect that the day is going to come when the more dominant note in your life can be joy instead of great sorrow. Was it hard to believe that uh, when, you're, when you were in the midst of it? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I just, ah, boy, I can just remember some of those low times, Matt, that I just... I just thought I'll never be happy again. I just could not imagine that I would. And what I see that happens is I, I always cringe when I'll hear someone who's lost a child say to someone who's newly lost a child, you're always going to feel this way. You're always going to feel this way. And I feel like what they're trying to say is, you know, you're always going to love your child. You're always going to remember your child. And there is a new kind of life you're entering into on the other side of that loss. But I always cringe because I feel like what the person who is in so much pain is hearing is that you are always going to hurt as much as you hurt right now, you're going to hurt that much forever. And that's just not true, or at least it doesn't have to be true. I mean, you know what, what's really hard. And I, and I think particularly hard in losing a child, which has been my experience. And so maybe it's unfair to say that, put it in those terms, but that it is your grief over losing someone you love 
that keeps you feeling close to that person. And in the midst of grief, that feels good because you miss them and you want to feel close to them. And so at some point on the journey of grief, you face this really difficult decision. And that is, am I going to allow the grief to have less of a hold on me, meaning I won't be as sad as much, but also meaning that I will miss out on some of that closeness I feel that grief brings to me? Or am I going to just keep giving so much of myself to this sorrow? Or another way to think about that question is that the day comes that you have to make a decision. Am I going to continue to give so much of my energy, focus, emotion to someone who can no longer benefit from it? Or am I going to make a turn, a pivot, and begin to give more of myself, my energy, my emotion, my focus to the living, to people who can benefit from it. And I got to tell you, Matt, that's, that's a really hard turn to make because when you do, it feels like that person you love, that person you don't want anybody else to forget is slipping away a little bit. That person isn't, but it feels that way. It can, it can even feel to the grieving person like a betrayal of that person. Like I was out to make sure nobody else forgot you and now I'm seeming to loosen that tether. Um, but it, it's not a betrayal. How did you know you were approaching that decision? Was that something you just sensed that this is, I have a choice in front of me here? Or, uh, yeah, how did, you, how did you identify that? Well, I guess, honestly, Matt, for me, it came in just realizing that I had another living child here who needed a mother who was giving, putting, giving him her best and to come to the place to realize, okay, my children, Hope and Gabriel, they can't benefit from all of this anymore, but I have a child here who can. And a great tragedy would be to get, keep continuing to give so much of myself to these two who can't benefit from it. And in the process of that, lose or estrange the one who's here. And that was just a big wake-up call to me. And I just knew at that point, I have to make a turn. And I just decided to do that. So what advice would you maybe offer to pastors as they think about leading their churches and even preaching their sermons and doing announcements, stuff as mundane as that? is there any advice you would offer to pastors to, when it comes to being sensitive to, to I mean, any, any average church is going to have probably dozens of people who are uh, dealing with some measure of grief or sadness around the holidays. What, what, what advice would you offer to pastors? Well, it's not a bad idea to have a time, maybe it's in that service that's the very end of the year, the last service before New Year, that Maybe you just lift off, list off the list of names of people who have entered into the presence of Christ but left your church family's presence over the previous year. And let me tell you what, all their loved ones will begin to weep, but don't think that that means you did the wrong thing. I mean, those will be tears of just such a joy 
that the person they love is not forgotten and it's been acknowledged. So I think that could be a beautiful thing. But I, I'm, all, I'm always slow to put too much pressure on pastors to, uh, in terms of doing specific things in that. I want to encourage pastors that the very best thing you do for grieving people is to preach God's word. Uh, don't underestimate the power of your weekly preaching to be exactly what grieving people need. Now, they, they need to hear about God's sovereign rule of the universe and of their lives. I mean, the biggest questions grieving people have to have are regarding God's sovereignty, and they're trying to figure that out in terms of God's involvement in the loss of someone they love. You need to understand that they're hearing everything now through this lens of their loss. Every song they sing in the service, they're hearing differently now than they used to before. The words sound different. The commitments being articulated in the song sound more costly. And the promises of eternity in the presence of Christ sound more lovely, more desirable. And so those things might move them to tears. But them crying either you know, in the preaching or in the singing, sometimes if, if they're crying in church, someone will think, oh, they must not be doing well. You know, they'll say, how are they doing? Oh, well, they were crying a lot during church. As if that means they're not doing well. Um, tears don't necessarily mean that. I mean, tears are, that they're processing, they're applying the truth of what's being preached or sung about or read in the passage. A lot of times when that truth meets up with the difficult reality of life, it erupts in tears. So don't assume because someone's in crying in your service that they aren't dealing with the loss well. It probably means they're dealing with it and it's hard. Well, maybe as a last question to close us here, what would you say to someone who's maybe listening right now and and is feeling the pain of loss? And, and maybe the pain feels truly overwhelming to them and that they're not sure how they will cope with this holiday season. Uh, what would you want to say to them? Yeah. Well, first of all, I would say this is the holiday season to maybe not do everything the way you've always done it. Because a lot of those traditions do bring pain. And so don't feel obligated. Don't let your family force you into feeling obligated. Well, this is the way we've always done it. Maybe, maybe you want to try something different this year. But as I said earlier, just be aware, wherever you go, whatever you do, the sadness will likely go with you. And so that don't let that surprise you. I would say, you know, look for some allies, whether it's in your family or someone you can have handy on the phone to talk to when things get difficult in the midst of some of these either social situations or family situations, someone who is a safe person to process that with. But then I think specifically, sometimes as everybody is saying, happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas, happy new year. And we just want to pull the covers over our head. I would say as you head into the, the, the holiday season, expect that you're going to feel sad because there'll be times of really deeply missing that person you love. But I would also say, be open to joy. 
because there are aspects of the truth of God becoming flesh and entering into this world to dwell among us. When we think about what that means, why did he do this? We, we recognize that this baby who was laid in a manger is one day going to be hung on a cross. Now, and why did he enter into the world knowing that that was going to be the case? It's because he has come to take sin and death upon himself. There really is cause for joy in the midst of this Advent season for you. Because we know that the reason Jesus came the first time was to do everything necessary to one day put an end to sin and death. And even as we sing, joy to the world, the Lord is come. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. As you sing those words, let them fill your heart with anticipation that that day is really coming. That actually the, the Christ who came as a baby is going to come as a conquering king. And when he does, death is going to be gone for good. He's going to call the body of that person you love so much out of their grave. He's going to fashion for them a resurrection body fit for living forever with him on a new heavens and the new earth. And see the holidays as the center point in which all of that has become your solid hope for the future and take hold of it today. Amen. Thank you, Nancy, for for that wise biblical encouragement and for sharing a little bit of your own experiences with grief and uh, your own experiences working with families who are grieving and just what you've learned from them. Uh, We appreciate you taking the time to talk today. You're welcome, Matt. Thanks so much. That was Nancy Guthrie on dealing with grief over the holidays. For more, be sure to check out her book with Crossway, What Grieving People Wish You Knew About What Really Helps and What Really Hurts available online or at your local Christian bookstore. For more interviews like this, subscribe to the Crossway Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review, which helps us spread the word about the show. Crossway is a not-for-profit Christian ministry that exists solely for the purpose of proclaiming the truth of God's word through publishing gospel-centered content. Visit us today at crossway.org.